Fundraising is a 14-step process. Asking for and receiving the gift is step 13, but is not the final step. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by Pamela Perkins-Dwyer. Pamela is the Major Gift Officer for the Los Angeles Master Corral. She's highly active in the Association of Fundraising Professionals, and her article in a recent edition of AFP's Quarterly Magazine taught us the importance of donor stewardship. And Pamela, thanks so much for being with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to share my information and my knowledge with you. What prompted you to write that article? Isn't stewardship happening all the time? As a matter of course, you must have seen a need to raise this topic. I did, Bill. Um, stewardship is something that should be happening all the time. And what I feel is that many times, um, fundraising professionals, we tend to think that after we send a letter to say thank you, and this is your tax donation letter, that that's the end of it, that we don't need to do anything more until it's time to ask that donor for a donation again. What I have found that that doesn't work. And many people find that very often they lose donors that way. Donors don't, re, um, don't respond to them. They're not getting the type of answers they want. They're not getting the checks and not coming in the mail. And what I found is, and what frustrated me, is that it's got to be a better way. That we're not doing something right. Somehow, some way, we're missing something. And I spent a lot of time talking to donors to find out what was important to them. And what I found in many cases is that what's important is to, to not just say thank you, those words, but to show the donor where their money is being used, how the money is being used, and to, to, to celebrate that type of information it, by sharing that information with them. Most donors want to know, what are you doing with my money? And so I would turn it around and say, you know, I'm a donor. I'm a person who gives. I want to know where my money is going. I've worked hard for it. And so have your donors. Donors work hard for their monies. In some cases, it's inherited money, but it's still hard-earned money. So people want to know what you're doing with their dollars. Pamela, thank you for describing that gap that you've identified. And at the fundraising school, when we welcome donors to our school, they often say the same thing, that you know, they're pursued and cultivated by fundraisers, perhaps through a campaign or just to make a gift or a major gift. But then once they make that gift, after that thank you letter, they never hear from the fundraiser again. So it's time for the next gift or the next campaign. And so we see this gap as well, which is why we're so grateful that you're teaching us about this important topic of donor stewardship. In terms of the relationship between the fundraiser and the donor, between the donor and the nonprofit, why is stewardship important? Why is this the right thing to do in the way that we interact with our donors in an ongoing basis? So, Bill, I look at the donor circle. You know, you think about, you know, identification and cultivation and, you know, you're, you're making your solicitation and then you think stewardship and that's it. I like to think of that as the beginning, the stewardship as being the beginning. Why? Because someone has given you a gift. And the one thing you want to do is you want to keep that donor engaged. You want to keep them interested in your organization. You want them to think your organization first when they get ready to write that next check. And one of the things that I have learned over the years is that when I engage a donor and I say thank you for that gift, you know, I want to know 
that the donor is feeling comfortable with our organization, that if they have further questions or want to know more, that I can answer those questions for them. In addition to keeping them engaged in all kinds of ways. And let me explain what I mean by that, because a lot of times people will think when you say to keep a donor engaged, they think, oh, let's have them join the donor club or let's get them in, you know, this particular membership group. That's not necessarily what I mean. What I mean is I check in on my donors. It doesn't mean that I call them every week or every day, but every couple of weeks, a month or even two months, I'll send a card. Just thinking of you. Hope all is well. Looking forward to seeing you at the upcoming X, Y, and Z. If you know your donors, you know the things that your donors are interested in. As an example, I have a particular donor who is a biker. This gentleman goes all over the world to go biking, cycling all over. Do I know anything about cycling? No. I know how to ride a bike, but that's about it for me. So what do I do? When I hear that he's going somewhere, I send him a note saying, safe travels, best wishes on that next bike ride, you know? And he thinks that's great, but that's engagement. That's engagement. I'm keeping in touch. That's what I'm talking about. Knowing your donors, knowing what's important to a donor. May I give you another example? We had a donor that, um, an elderly woman um, who got very ill. She, um, you know, we sent the traditional thank you, you know, get well card. That's what I mean. Um, my office, the first thought was, oh, let's send flowers. And I was like, no, 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 no. We don't want to send flowers. I said, she's elderly. She's alone. There's no one there. Let's send food. Let's send soup. My coworkers are like, soup? And I was like, yes, yes, because she's the person that cooks. And she's not able to do that right now. So what did we do? I had them call a local restaurant that wasn't too close, not too far from our house. I asked if they would be so kind as to deliver. And they said, yes, they would. So we ordered soup and had it delivered to her home. What do you think happened? She was so grateful for that. Flowers are beautiful and wonderful, but not all the time. You know, you have to think about the person, know your donors. Know the people who are giving you those large checks. Find out about them. What are their interests? What, are, what type of things do they like to do on vacation? If they're ill, if they're having a birthday, don't forget birthdays. How hard is it to send a birthday card? It's, I mean, I know we like to send emojis nowadays and, and text message and text messaging to people, but honestly, a birthday card, you know, just pick up a card, drop it in the mail. It is so thoughtful. It's a thoughtful process that people are so grateful to you for. Pamela, those are wonderful stories and, and wonderful examples. And certainly there are times with stewardship, we might do, you know, kind of a blanket stewardship outreach where everybody's receiving the same message, receiving the same letter, maybe receiving the same item. But what's so beautiful about the stories that you told is that you are tailoring the stewardship relationship to each and every individual donor based on their hobbies, based on their interests, based on their current life situation. What needs to be true about the fundraiser to be thinking about donors in that way? So yes, I'm going to ask you to describe some qualities about yourself here because they're, they're stories that you've uh, uh, told us. But, but what types of skills and awareness and abilities do fundraisers need to have 
to be able to tailor their stewardship one donor at a time. Bill, I think one of the most important things that every fundraiser really needs to have is the, the ability and the skill to listen. You must listen. You have to listen to everything that a donor tells you. When you're talking to someone, it's important that you stay in that moment. Hear everything they say. I tell people, if you just allow people to talk, they will tell you everything there is about them that you ever wanted to know and more. Just allow them to talk. Donors, I mean, fundraisers have to learn to just not say anything and listen. And that is one of the skills that I think is so important. And, and, and putting yourself in their place and having a caring attitude that you really care. You care about your organization. You care about the donors. You care about what's happening, you know, and, and the impact that everything that you do is making. You know, donors are people just like you and I. We are donors. I'm sure that you, like myself, we have organizations that we give donations to. Always remember to keep yourself, your thinking, the way you think about how you want to be treated, first and foremost, because that's how you need to treat other people. And I think that's what's important. Um, I think in terms of listening, one of the things I do is after every meeting, I will go and sit and make my notes quietly. I heard the donors say they have four grandchildren. I heard the donors say they have children in college. I heard the donors say they, you know, they just purchased a new house or it's someone's special birthday. Something's coming up. I've heard all of that. And I've made a note of it for myself so that I don't forget. One of the things that I have people say to me, how do you remember all this stuff? How did you remember it was my grandson's birthday? How did you remember that my granddaughter was graduating next month? How did you remember what college they're graduating from? I have a notebook that I keep. <laughs> I have all those notes in. And I try to remember those things because it makes you feel good when someone remembers things about you or they can, they can tell you something about yourself. So... I think that's one of the things that I do that I find works and is important is making sure that I listen and I hear, and then I react and I respond to that, those things. Pamela, what is also evident in your story is that the donors notice when they say, how did you remember about my grandchild? How did you remember about this? Sounds to me like the donors notice that this is important to them. It's not perfunctory. It's not mechanical. It's perhaps maybe not even expected that that personal touch really makes a difference. Are you seeing that? Absolutely. Absolutely. The personal touch is it's, it's so important because, you know, you want to be the first thought when the donor is ready to write those checks. Your organization, you want them to think of that, you know. I know that when we're working for organizations, we're asking our donors to give a donation to our organization. But, but development is development developing the relationship. It's a relationship. People love to be able to feel like you care about them. And, and those relationships are being built every time you say something to a donor or remind them of something 
or make them laugh. I, I, Bill, I have to share one more thing. I, 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 one of the things I used to do at one of the organizations I worked for, I used to go, we used to have this wonderful cupcake shop down the street. These people made the best cupcakes on earth. And I personally love the chocolate cupcake. So every time I go see a donor, I would take chocolate, you know, a, a chocolate cupcake for myself and one for them. And I would call and just say, tell me something. What's your favorite flavor? Do, do you really, you like strawberry? And donors will be, what is she talking about? And I like banana. Okay, thank you. No problem. I'm going to see you in two weeks. And two weeks, I would show up with a banana cupcake for them. And they were like, what is this? And I was like, well, you told me you like banana. And I brought the chocolate one for myself. And they would get such a kick out of that, such a laugh. And it was like, again, putting the donor first, thinking about them, what makes them smile. Sometimes, you know, you're not always going to get the check. You know, that's not going to happen at that moment. But the one thing that will happen is the donor will never, ever forget that you thought of them first or that you thought about them. Pamela, that's wonderful information and, and just tremendous encouragement. I think we have to be careful, though, because there are going to be plenty of listeners uh, and viewers of this podcast who are going to start donating to the Los Angeles Master Corral because they're going to be expecting some cupcakes and some soup. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to, to ask you this, you know, sure. when uh, especially those of us as we work in the nonprofit sector and we serve different types of people, we're always encouraged as we describe folks to others um, to to not describe them by their characteristic, but start with them as people. So instead of an educated person, we would say a person who is educated because they're first a person who then were doing the descriptive. That's where my mind has been going here as you tell these wonderful stories that we're not talking about a donor. We're talking about a person who is a donor. Absolutely. And because they are a person first, you are personalizing the stewardship and the thanks. Absolutely, Bill. Thank you for putting it that way, because that's exactly it. That's exactly right. It's the person first. The person's a person's first, you know, and then the donor part comes later, you know, and I've been successful with it. And I wanted to share that because so often, especially all of our fundraisers, you know, our younger generation of fundraisers that are coming in, it's so important that we teach them to really think of the people first and not just, you know, it's not just a checkbook, it's not just a check, but it's the people. People will continue to follow you and will continue to give, give, give when they feel good about what they're giving and they know where their money is going and you can show them all of these things. The expertise and the passion of Pamela Perkins Dwyer, major gift officer for the Los Angeles Master Corral reminds us to treat our donors as the people who they are, treating them as wonderful individuals in and of itself, stewardship, but how it also fosters that relationship for the potential of future gifts down the line. Stewardship is a topic that is covered in our textbook, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, which is now available. And the 39 chapters in that book inform our public courses. We have nearly two dozen courses that lead to four different certificates Stewardship is included in those courses and law, as well as in our custom training, where we can custom design, kind of like stewardship, specifically designed for a particular nonprofit, an association, or a region. We also have our quarterly webinars and, of course, these free podcasts 
All of this information is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. So grateful to Pamela perkins for joining us and sharing her expertise. Our producers today are Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Sanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm-hmm.